0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to oursundayschool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Um, I've already been teased uh, four times about the title of this series, so yes, um, and I, I told somebody this morning, this is what happens when uh, I get the content like I want it, but I can't settle on a, what the title ought to be, because if I could title it what I really wanted to title it, it's toward a Bible-informed approach to talking about the Bible when we talk about the Bible, but that's a little bit long, so we just say talking about the Bible. So so let the text messages start, Chris. This is the... I just teed you up there. There you go. So uh, this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time uh, framing up what we're going to be looking at for this week and, Lord willing, the next four weeks. Uh, talk about a few assumptions, some uh, objectives of this particular series, uh, a couple of assertions that I, I want to make, and then kind of getting into the first step of what I think is a, a Bible-informed process for talking about the Bible. Uh, And then when we get to the end of the lesson today, we will pick a text that we will use for the rest of the four weeks. And I have no idea what that might be. So there we go. So uh, first things first, your handout on your table, uh, no staple today, uh, lots of verses. We will be jumping around quite a bit. So make sure you've got your app or your Bible ready. Uh, but first kind of concept to, to think through is that uh, All believers, this is assumption number one All believers talk about the Bible All of them um, And and some of us will do this informally with kids Or with family members or co-workers or friends uh, Some of us do this formally in church settings uh, In teaching opportunities uh, In small groups, medium-sized, large groups But all believers talk about the Bible and I would have another assumption, number two here, that says that believers don't always follow a very Bible-informed process. Uh, and believe it or not, the Bible actually tells us some ideas about how to talk about the Bible, which is really nice. So if you've, if you've ever had a conversation with anybody about the Scripture and then five or ten or an hour later thought, I wish I could have said this. I wish I would have thought about that. I wish I, and I see a lot of heads nodding, so I'm, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one because I didn't feel like I was the only one here. Uh, I actually have this feeling about 98% of Sunday school lessons where I get to the end and I'm like, ah, oh, I forgot to talk about that, and I shouldn't have included this, and now i got to go rearrange that and um, sometimes get frustrated. Uh, but none of us gets it right all the time. Uh, Sometimes we move too quickly, sometimes we say things that aren't true And and sometimes if you listen to enough people long enough You'll hear people just make things up uh, Which is truly incredibly dangerous Um, So all believers talk about the Bible Believers don't always follow a very Bible informed process When talking about the Bible And then number three, this is my hat tip to Ed Stetzer's new book Uh, In our current age of outrage uh, Believers can do better Um, Because I, I fear what happens is that that our messages of uh, vehement outrage about all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus gets all meshed in together with what we try to say about the Scripture. And um, quite frankly, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ just deserves a better, and I would say a biblical, approach. So a couple objectives for this particular series. Uh, Head over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And I, I don't typically start at the end, um, but I want to start at the end here. Because Titus in this particular section is talking to uh, old people. Uh, and and you, I'll, let, I'll let us define old however you want to define old. And I'm looking at my iPad, so I'm not making eye contact with anybody right now, because some of you get really nervous when I say a word, and I look at you, and you're like, start squirming, so it is what it is. Uh, But in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, so we have two options. Uh, One option is to die, and the other option is to get old. Uh, So if... If you are not prepared to die, I would love to talk to you about Jesus. Uh, but I also want us to be ready to get old. Uh, and I think Titus talks to this. He says, but as for you, speak the things. So this is, he's talking, uh, uh, Paul's talking to Titus here. He says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So a couple of things from, from this particular passage. Uh, there are things that must be learned in youth to be ready to be old according to this passage. Um, and and I, I desire greatly for us to be ready to be, as a, as, as a man who is getting older, sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of months thinking about this phrase, sound in faith. Because I don't think that you can just see sound in faith. You have to hear sound in faith. You can watch somebody's life and see that they're consistent with the scripture, but at some point they're going to say things that are going to either be evaluated truthfully against the scripture or untruthfully against the scripture. And then the women, the older women, uh, that they be uh, reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not giving them much wine, teachers of good things. Well, these these expectations of older Christians have an implication that you have learned something about being sound in faith, that you have learned something about good things, so that you can then teach and be a model of these later on. So the first objective here and what we want when we talk about the Bible is, number one, to be prepared. I want us, as believers, to be preparing and to be prepared now to meet the expectations of us as old believers, like Josh, I'm I'm looking at you right now. So I desire when you are 80 years old that that passage fits your life. Like that would be as your Sunday school teacher for the past what nine, ten years. Like that that to me, I would I desire to, as a very old man to look back and say there are people that we have ministered to that look like this. Um, and, and one of the things that I love about our class is that. Uh, We have very young people that visit us sometimes We have very young people that are here every week And I'm going to look back at my iPad We have very old people that are uh, with us sometimes Um, And you you don't know who I'm talking about Because I am talking about uh, Rachel Samsel's grandmother And she is 94, I think 94, 95, maybe 96 98, absolutely, why not We'll round up. Um, it's the Charles Alexander School of uh, Biblical Counting. The, uh, he helped me. We did counting one night at the uh, Chattanooga campus on a Sunday night. And we were going through and taking all the tallies, and we got to like 97. He said, That looks like 100 to me. And I said, I think it's 97. He said, We probably missed a couple. That's 100. I said, Oh, that's, that's ecclesiological rounding. That's good to know. Uh, so, first objective here is to be prepared, and specifically be prepared for expectations in old age. Um, and and I, I don't know that we spend enough time consciously thinking about uh, our spiritual health when we get old, but I, I hope that we give this some thought periodically, because what we're doing right now is going to impact that. Uh, two is in 1 Corinthians uh, 4, so flip over to 1 Corinthians 4. More uh, general advice to the church at large Uh, Verse Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2 Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ And stewards of the mysteries of God Moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful So let a man so consider us So this is uh, Paul and his uh, traveling companion As well as the leaders in this church As servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God Um, and, And I I hope that you have, as you read and study your scripture Come to terms and grips with That there are some mysteries here That we are not going to fully resolve um, and, and when I have in the past Taken every ounce of intellectual And uh, structural rigor that I can And tried to beat out the mystery It doesn't work very well because God did not design our relationship with him to be absent of mystery. Um, there is some of that there. Um, happy birthday. And, um, and we are stewards of a lot of different things. Uh, you typically hear Daryl will say, our time, our talents, and our treasure. Um, and and I, I would include we are stewards of God's word um, and how we handle it, How we talk about it, how we present it, um, what we do with it, right? We are stewards of this. So I want us, number two, to be faithful. Um, I want us to be faithful to what God has called us to be relative to all aspects of our lives, but specifically uh, the Scripture. And then uh, the third thing here uh, is to be engaging, uh, to be engaging when we talk about the Bible, one of the things that we sometimes fall into the trap of is, or sorry, I, I fall into the trap of, is somebody will ask a question or start a conversation and I want to immediately get to a specific fact and a, a piece of data that says this is the the actual answer to the question, right? So if you look at and this is from uh, our, usually we talk about this the first week of the Sunday school year uh, in January. Uh, w- one of my goals for our class is that you have a, a interaction with, uh, with truth. So this is doctrine or orthodoxy. Uh, that there's an interaction with your heart, some connection with believers, that there's a passion, there's orthopathy here, and that there are ministry opportunities. There's a behavior. And one of the challenges that I run into is that my bent, my favorite, my specialty is where, Carrie? Which of these three? The head, the heart, or the hands? The head, right? Yeah, like I, I, I want to live here. Like just let me, let me be by myself on my couch and live here and study and write and research and prepare. And then once a week I have to get out and go stand up and talk about it. Uh, but like I, I like to live here. And so help me. Where do you like to live? Yes. Not there, right? No. You know how I know this? Because the entire time I was taught, talk- you are like, no, 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 no. Make it stop. Make it stop, right? So it's, it's somewhere else, right? Yes. It, I need that. I need you and what the passion that God has given you that's different than mine. Because if this is all we did there would be a spectacularly massive amount of the world that would never hear the gospel. Does that make sense? Right? So the beauty of this is that he has embedded in us different emphases or different focuses. Um, But one of the passions that I have tried to be aware of, as I love this part, is that only focusing on this can create wonderful little Pharisees. Right? Like, I know the checklist. I know the rules. I know the steps. And, and when we engage, when we talk about the Bible, like all three parts of this we need to be thinking about. Because God gave us emotions. God gave us the ability to act and engage with the world. So, so it's not just a check the box, give this little data point here. All right, so that's section two. So section three is the assertions. Um, and I want to I go through these really, really quickly Because I really want to get to the, the first kind of step in the process So assertion number one uh, And this is my hat tip to Wayne Grudem This is literally going to come straight out of Grudem's text God tells us what the Bible is um, So I, I bet somebody can quote this one 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17 All scripture <laughs> Reproof, right? Ooh, look at you. You even nobody gets that word right. Everybody says thoroughly even when they're quoting the KJV. It's not. It's throughly And it's it is a different word than thoroughly. Truly is like, it goes through you and makes a difference through. I, I actually love that. And nobody ever quotes, thank you for getting the word right. That's awesome. Well, right. <laughs> 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 and, you, and you are a blessed man. You are a blessed man. Um, and then Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the hearts and the thoughts, of, of the thoughts and intents of the heart so we know what the Bible is right, the Bible is God's authoritative inerrant, clear, necessary and sufficient word but the Bi- God also tells us what the Bible number two gives and we actually learned this we just studied this in Second Peter so thesa, I have to admit, I, I was really excited about when you, you almost jumped out of your skin the first week in Second Peter, and like when we got to these verses, and it was just so'm i going to if you don't mind that, I'd let you read Second Peter one, one, through four. If you're okay? Because I have heard Mila quote Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17, at least three times in my life. Uh, because she is all like, I think she won a lot of sword drills as a kid and memory competitions as a kid. Because it is there on the tip, and I love that. And I think it is a beautiful testimony to what I was just talking about—that what we do in our youth impacts us later on in life and enables us to do and help and serve and teach in a way that is consistent with Scripture. So, Amen. Amen. He was. He was. All right, Thesa, you got a Second Peter. All right. So the thing that I love about hearing you read the scripture is that you almost always emphasize the word that I really wanted emphasized. <laughs> it is everything. There was it, there was a joy when she said the word everything that comes from a personal interaction with this text. Thank you for that. Thank you for engaging and living and loving the scripture and we know that god has given us everything we need related to life and godliness we have this from knowledge of god from the power of god through the son of god as revealed in the word of god so this is this is what god does god tells us what the bible is god tells us what the bible gives and god tells us about the resources he provides to help believers talk about the bible now we have we have talked about this before a couple of times and these are uh Jim's attempt at categorizing some of the resources here. All right, so we have uh, the spirit and the Bible itself. They provide uh, illumination and knowledge, and then and and everything above this line is infallible. Right, the spirit can make no error, the Bible can make no error, and then we have the church that provides confirmation and support and encouragement and growth opportunities, and is is in a very real sense a kind of a uh, a whack-a-mole. You play the game whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese, right? It's the greatest part of Chuck E. Cheese, because everything else is just weird. But well there may you may be right, darling. They may not be actually anything great. It's the best part of Chuck E. Cheese. How about is that better? That's better. All right. So so the church the way I view the church, and I think the church has done a job of this over the centuries, but the church plays whack a mole with heretics, right? Some heretic will pop up. Nope. That's wrong. Some heretic will pop up Nope, that's wrong And when we don't do that What we end up with Are whole groups of heretics Right Now the interesting thing is that Most heresies die out pretty quick Because it, if it's not fueled by the gospel you, You're really not going to have a lot of adherents That are going to replicate uh, quickly but, but they keep popping back up And they keep popping back up And they keep popping back up And I think what we're kind of called to do Is to take the scripture and go Does that say that? No No And whack them on the head And like, no, this is what the Bible says So the church provides this confirmation Of are we actually Taking the scripture and using it Appropriately So with with all of those uh, Assumptions and objectives And assertions Let's talk about where we're going to go real quick with this series So so today I want to talk about What I think is the most uh, overlooked And skipped, this is not on your handout anywhere This is the most overlooked and skipped portion Of talking about the Bible um, and it's prayer. It's absolutely flat out, hands down prayer. Because what I like to do when somebody engages me in a conversation with Scripture is immediately jump. Like we're just, we're diving in. Here we go. Well, time out, right? Let's make sure we've gotten a good perspective on this. So next week, Lord willing, I uh, see the word tentative. It's because God gets to do whatever God wants to do, <laughs> right? Uh, We'll talk about hearing and then thinking And then talking and then the actual sharing itself So uh, a couple concepts to think through As we think about this approach So uh, the the challenge that I have with this series And the reason I feel a little bit weird with it And the reason you're probably feeling a little bit weird with it Is that I didn't start by reading a text And then telling you about the repeated words And then Walking through the definitions of the words And then having an application And then having a personalization Does anybody freaking out right now That the back side of your handout Has no application or personalization? There's a lot of application here There's actually a whole lot of application Um, But but there is not a single uh, Text of scripture That talks about all of the steps that I'm going to draw out. And there are actually several more steps in the process. But these are the, the major ones. And, and what I want us to think about. Is that that these steps. You scale these as needed. Okay. So Carrie when, when Owen asks you. Who's Jesus? Right. So. Well it, it has. But. But it's okay to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to help you in that conversation, right? In, in that two seconds, right? Hey, Owie, let's, let's hear what God has to say about that. Let's show him in the scripture. Well, let's, let's think through, you know, what are the implications of that? Let's talk this out. Let's get your dad and your sister in as well in the conversation, right? And then sharing the truth of what actually is there, making sure you know, because sometimes you got to play whack-a-mole with little kids in their theology, right? Just like adults, because come to really bad conclusions. So, so that would be like the the smallest implementation of a process like this. The longest one would be what we're going to do in 2019, and 2020, and probably part of 2021 with our next big series that's coming up. Well, I'll spend, I'll spend. Fifteen to twenty hours a week doing this every week for two and a half years, right? And, and I wouldn't expect you if OE comes up and asks you, "Well, tell me about Jesus," for you to stop and go, "Hang on, hang on, I need to go spend fifteen to twenty hours before I answer you." no, right? So, so the the approach I want us to make sure we hear that you hear what I'm saying is that you should scale this as needed for whatever the situation it is, right? But but these can be very valuable steps in the process And today we're going to talk about the very first one So a couple attitudes uh, around uh, prayer uh, Let's go to Proverbs 9.10 Proverbs 9.10 Proverbs is one of the only books of the Bible where you can go and you can like cherry pick verses Because they mostly stand alone quite well Um. So, Proverbs 9:10, who's got it? Careful, Lord, is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of so Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that, that we need to be reminded of, that I need to be reminded of, is that this is God's very word. And if, if you read this book and you pay attention to how God responds to those who handle his word and proclaim his word and teach his word, it is it is significant. It is not a light thing. Uh, so your first blank there is fear. So when we come and ask God for help in talking about His Word, please understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because ultimately, what when Owe asked that question, who is Jesus and what's He about, what you eventually want Him to get to is a a healthy relationship with Jesus, right? Where he is intellectually understanding right things, where he is rightly doing the work that is the implication from the gospel and where his emotions are pulled and tied to what Christ is calling him to actually do. Right? There's that's, that's a lot like that's a lofty goal when he asks, you know, who, who is Jesus, right? There's a lot going on there. Um, But when we come to talk about God, there should be a healthy fear of screwing it up. I I want us to be very careful, not cautious, not timid, not afraid, but very careful how we handle God's Word. Um, This is one of the things that terrifies me every week about standing up. People used to ask me, uh, do you get nervous when you teach Sunday school? No, I don't get nervous. I'm terrified. <laughs> like nervous is a wholly insufficient word for the emotion that I feel when I stand and do this. Um, now, do we live in that and never move from it? No, not at all. Absolutely not. All right. So go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Um, I pray the prayer that is in Second Chronicles chapter 20 probably 20 times a week conservatively <clears throat> and we won't go through the entire chapter although if, if you want it, it's a really good chapter um, and you can this is one of those chapters where you can get totally lost in the geography and the military uh, opposition and who's in this camp and where are they going and this and that and the other let me set the stage for you Israel is in a mess militarily. They have problems attacking them from lots of different perspectives. And and verse five says, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not Our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if a disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. And here it is, don't miss it. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now there is a degree of dependence that is great right there. Like the armies are marching toward us. We're literally standing in your house declaring how great you are and what you have done to bring us to this point and we have no idea what to do but our eyes are upon you. Now the last time I experienced this I was a little boy and I was with my dad And we had gone to scout a basketball team. And it was in a place that was not safe, in a neighborhood that was not safe. And I was quite scared. And uh, just so you're aware, we we watched a lot of basketball in my house growing up. Uh, Monday nights and Thursday nights, my dad coached middle school. Tuesday nights and Friday nights, my dad coached high school. Saturday nights were for scouting. And usually Wednesday nights were reviewing game tape. Like that was, that's what we did. So we traveled all over the place. By the time I graduated high school, I had been to, I think it's 34 different states in the United States watching basketball games. Like when I say we traveled, we went all over the place. And sometimes really good basketball teams have a gymnasium in a really bad neighborhood. And I remember one of those. And I remember thinking, I don't know what to do right here. And I squeezed on my daddy's hand and I kept my eyes on him. Because I didn't have anything else to do. Right? And that's what they're doing here. So your number two attitude is dependence. See, there's this acknowledgement that we are not God. But he gave us his word. And we're going to depend on him and his word to do what he said he would do with his word. And then Psalm 11918. Oh, and in case you're wondering, Israel survives. <laughs> that's always the end to every story when you talk about Israel. Israel survives, so um, Psalm 119:18. Who's got it? What things? What kind of things? Wondrous. You sure that's a good translation? Wondrous? Like there's wonderful things in the Bible? Of course there are. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. See, number three is expectancy. Expectancy. See, I can come to God in prayer understanding my right place in the relationship and being fearful that this is the living God, the creator and sustainer of the universe. And I can come to God in prayer knowing that He will deliver and He will do what He says, but I can also come to God in prayer knowing that there are wondrous things in His law. And that if we lack wisdom, which, pro tip, we all lack wisdom, <laughs> right? Right? None of us, the wisdom meter is all the way full. So Caleb has been sick and he's been at home for the last several months. And he has gotten really good at PlayStation. Like like really, really good. And I can usually go in and peek around the corner and look at the TV screen and see how he's doing in a certain game by looking at his what? His energy meter, right? His health bar, his the Whatever the thing it is that says here's the status of how we're doing Well, none of our wisdom statuses is all the way pegged full So we can all use a little bit more and the good thing is god says i'm going to give it to you So you say well, what do we do with that? All right our actions So we'll talk about our attitudes and our actions and I, I think we can do that for each one of these Five steps as we go through it, it may not Lend itself to that exact structure, but I think we can get there So our action number one is pray for illumination Pray for illumination. Now, I got glasses when I was uh, actually I got contacts when I was eleven. So you all just disappeared, <laughs> and uh, I, like I can tell that there are people, mostly, um, and I, I, like I know that Dave Barber is wearing like a burnt orange shirt. So like, I unless you've moved in the last ten seconds, I'm going on faith that you're still like. I think you're wiggling right now, right? Okay, <laughs> like you're 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 in that space, and I like I. If she talks, I I think I can put my hand on the Bible and say my wife is sitting right over there because I don't think I saw her move, but. But it's, it's, it's fuzzy, right? Um, and at best, we see through a, a glass dimly, a, a poor reflection. And we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text for us so that we can see what God is saying. And the interesting thing is that there are portions of Scripture that talk about how uh, a pagan, a, an unbeliever, someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ cannot understand spiritual things there's it's not there they do not have the capacity to do it just like uh, Sean so you, you still sit over here I see a glare I'm assuming that's the top of your head but I don't is that right that was low wasn't it now the texts are really gonna start now right so would would this right here be a great environment to uh, to do surgery well, why not? Yeah, see what you're doing. So the doctor needs to see what he's doing? Yeah. Um, Dan and I have a, a recent activity that we've had occur in 2018. We both lost something. We both lost our gallbladder, butter. And, and the room, I remember walking into the room, like kind of staggering into the room because the pain was so bad at that point, right? Staggering into the room like, man, it is really bright in here. And I remember thinking, Somebody needs to turn it. No, I don't really want them to turn those down. I want, I want to be like, see what they're doing, right? This would be good. They need to see what they're doing. And the last thoughts that went through my head before you know the doctor tells you to count down from whatever was, I wonder if this is kind of how the Holy Spirit turns up the brightness when we need. Or turn. And then it was just, then everything got dark. So I don't, then I, then all my pain went away. It was great. But we can pray for illumination. That the Bible would be illuminated so that we can see and can speak truthfully about what God says. All right, so before you go to sleep, Josh, can you fix it for us? Thank you, sir. Now, do, do, that right there, that is why I wanted you to keep the lights off for a couple of minutes. Because I wanted your eyes to get accustomed to the dark. Because the first couple of times you ever experienced the Holy Spirit turning the lights on for a passage of Scripture, you will blink and you will go, wow, what in the world was that? And it is impossible to describe to a pagan Because all the pagan's ever known Is living in darkness pagan doesn't even know what light is Relative to truth So don't forget that So that's the first thing we can pray for Is illumination The second thing is for wisdom And we already looked at James 1.5 <clears throat> If any of you lack wisdom Let him ask of God Who gives to all liberally and Without reproach And it will be given to him and then the third is, and this is I think what we forget sometimes when we pray, when we talk about talking about the Bible. Uh, pray for hearing for the hearers. Right? Okay? In any conversation, there's multiple parties that are engaging. So in Revelation 2:7, the first part of that verse, and in 11, first part of that verse, and 17, the first part of that verse, and verse 29, and 3:6, and 3:13, and 3:22 is the exact same phrase. It says, "He who has an ear." Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a great prayer to pray for anybody that you are engaging with in Scripture or a conversation about God. God, let him, let the Spirit give him ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Like just give him give him ears to hear, give him ears to hear. I probably pray this for you guys a hundred times a week. Like just this is my over and 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 over. Well. Thank you for being here, so that you can hear. Uh, and you're welcome. So next week's process step is number two, and that's to hear. So if we want to hear, we need a text. Somebody shout out a book of the Bible. Come on, come on, John. Somebody give me a number between one and twenty-four. Eighteen. Somebody give me a number. We'll pick a we'll pick a passage in John eighteen. How's that? Does that work? So you're, So what I want you to write, did we rehearse this, Darla? No. Carrie, did we rehearse a number? No. All right, great. So for your homework, where it says, ask the Holy Spirit for help and understanding, write John 18. That's what we got next week. Now, my wife and I talked about this approach of just having somebody call out a book and call out a number. And she said, aren't you kind of nervous we'll land on something weird? I'm like, yeah. It's like... It is, and there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. (laughs) And what I want you to see is that a Bible-informed process for talking about the Bible works for all of the Bible. We don't have to be scared of the Bible. Okay? Like, don't be scared of it. Because He has given us the text and the Holy Spirit, and that is all we need. For doing these things So uh, I will encourage you with one suggested resource uh, If you don't know who Jen Wilkin is uh, I would encourage you to, to get Women of the Word uh, Guys, all you have to do is just scratch off the W and the O And it's a fantastically applicable book for you as well I don't really care I read this on vacation uh, a couple of years ago Her chapter on prayer, chapter 7 It's like six pages long is worth ten times what the book is relative to how to pray before talking about what the Bible says. It is chock full of biblically informed examples and approaches to pray with littles, with bigs, with pagans, and with those that are on the team. So I I would strongly encourage, if you can uh, get a copy of that, that would be... um, very good. No, we are not doing the Illustrated Song of Solomon. <laughs> uh, I was surprised nobody mentioned Song of Solomon though. Like I, I teed it up for anybody to say any book of the Bible. And thank you, Darla. So, <laughs> all right. So, you should have your uh, weekly update on the table. So lean in, engage, uh, grab a uh, prayer partner, and pray through. Uh, share any new requests. And uh, when you have finished, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.